Good afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Focus on the Facts. Patricia Negron, or Trish, is my co-host, and for the past two years, she has been my partner in crime in the battle to stop the pedophilia epidemic and child sex trafficking networks. Today, Trish and I are going to cover the takedown of the worldwide pedophile and sex trafficking networks. We have finally had the keys to taking down the Hollywood pedophiles and perverts. We will cover the latest news out of Hollywood on the child sex trafficking rings of Michael Jackson and R. Kelly that have now been exposed, but only after allowing them to continue in plain sight for 30 years. Hundreds or probably thousands of children have been sexually abused by these two monsters, and the people in this country allowed it to go on for all this time. We will also discuss the latest in the Jeffrey Epstein Global Child Sex Trafficking Networks and the elite politicians, celebrities, and world leaders who are involved and are set to be exposed with the hopeful release of court documents hidden for years from all of us. In the latest court hearing last week, the judge said Epstein and his attorney, Alan Dershowitz, who were both involved in Epstein's child sex trafficking networks. We will also discuss the latest developments in the Nexium and the John of God child sex abuse networks. And on the other end of the cycle, news came out yesterday that the hearing on Wednesday, March 13th, where Cardinal Pell will be sentenced for sexually abusing two 13-year-old choir boys, will be broadcast live for the whole world to watch. Pell could be facing up to 50 years in prison. So we've now gone full circle. We've got the politicians, the Vatican, and the Hollywood perverts and pedophiles. We are finally truly making headway in taking down the Global Child Sex Trafficking Network. And after working on this battle for four years straight, I am so happy today. And Trish, my partner at two years in this battle, must be very happy as well. I could not have stayed on this horrible issue without the help of Trish, and I am so grateful to her for teaming up with me. So I'll bring Trish on now, and we'll start the show first by having her tell us the latest news about the illegal coup in Venezuela, and then we'll get to the battle against the pedophiles and perverts. Welcome to the show, Trish. Hi, Evelyn. And yes, in fact, I am super happy about the latest developments because they've done, they've done something that we've never been able to do before, which is to connect them all in a way that shows that this is a global network that is run by and protected by the world's most powerful individuals. So um, it really is a big breakthrough on that. With regard to Venezuela, um, we're seeing the U.S. is continuing to push forward on its attempted coup. The latest move was to sabotage the state electric grid and um, cut out the power of thousands of Venezuelans. This, and then subsequently, Mike Pompeo tweeted out yet another threat against Maduro, and um, this comes on the heels of a very graphic threat that Marco Rubio made last week when he tweeted out a picture of Gaddafi's gruesome mutilation and murder in the streets of Libya. So this is continuing forward. Meanwhile, um, you know, more and more evidence is being exposed of what really happened on that bridge when the U.S. was supposedly attempting to deliver humanitarian aid and the video of the individuals who were supposedly bringing the uh, humanitarian aid have been caught on film setting that truck on fire, and we have also documentation of the items that were on the truck, which were turned out to be 
wire, nails, and gel. So not the typical humanitarian supplies that you would expect. And so Guaido left the country after that failed coup briefly. He had been in the country after this self-declaration as president for a month and remained unharmed. He claimed he feared for his life and has since re-entered Venezuela unharmed and is claiming that, you know, he had better not be arrested or threatened in any way or that would be a red line for the U.S. So they're setting the narrative that, um, you know, what's happening now is that there are charges against Guaido for treasonous behavior. I mean, declaring yourself president. He never ran for office. Less than 20% of Venezuelans had ever even heard of the guy before the U.S. declared him president. The right. other thing is that the, the U.S. is saying, oh, 50 other nations are, you know, also recognize Guaido. These are all nations that have been bullied by the U.S., and they fail to um, mention that there are 140 that recognize Maduro as president. So they are in the vast minority in recognizing Guaido. So now um, we are expecting continued terrorist activity by the U.S. to try and prompt um, Venezuela into war or to create a pretext. We fully expect this also, remember, Venezuela has the world's largest oil reserves. And it turns out that the Koch brothers are the ones that have the largest financial interest in those oil reserves. So, Oh, really? The, I didn't know that. Yes. Greg Pallet, oh. the investigative journalist, um, has done extensive work on this. I did not know it either, Evelyn. And um, so this is news to me. It has to do with the type of crude and the Koch brothers have refineries in Texas that can only handle the dirtiest of crude. And apparently that's they've been getting it from Venezuela. Well, Venezuela was sanctioned. It can, you know, they wanted to cut off um, business with the Koch brothers in response to the early sanctions. And now um, the Koch brothers are pushing for this invasion because they want that oil. We know that the Bank of England, which is run controlled by the Rothschilds, already stole more than a billion dollars of gold bullion from Venezuela. And Goldman Sachs, which is largely controlled by the Rothschilds, is profiting on the bonds in Venezuela and the economic sanctions that are driving those down, which allow Goldman Sachs to make to manipulate the market and make a profit. So. I mean, there, there are many stakeholders here, but they're the same right. handful that we see in places like Syria where, you know, the, Israel is stealing the oil from Syria's Golan Heights and selling it to Genie Energy, which is controlled by Jacob Rothschild and these billionaires, Rupert Murdoch and Larry right. Summers, who's affiliated with Harvard and Goldman Sachs. Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. Yes. Yep, and Dick so Cheney. All the same people. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Dick Cheney as well. So, um, well, they're doing this in plain sight now for all of us to watch. What they used to hide from us, 
you know, now they're just doing it in plain sight, you know, starting with Iraq when they went in there and with the bogus lie that weapons of mass destruction and um, got us into that war. Well, and starting back with the first Bush, but the first time we went in Iraq with the lies about the Iraqi soldiers who were throwing babies out of incubators on the floor and that's right. why we had to go invade and say, you know, and then with, and then with, um, and then with Libya, the same thing. Oh, Gaddafi was killing his own people again, and he was, uh, and he was giving his uh, soldiers Viagra and stuff, and telling them to go rape all the women and all this stuff. You know the lies that led up to bringing us into there. And now we're down to, and then with uh, Syria, you know, he's killing his own people all the time. And now we're down to Venezuela. You know, oh, he's bad for his own people. You know, and this is so horrible because, um, you know, well, it's not a newscaster, Jimmy Dore covers the Venezuela issue, you know, all the time. And um, right. he had a show on this morning, and I had remembered this, that Venezuela had provided uh, the United States with uh, free oil and stuff from their Sitco operation back from, yep. for four it's years, from 2005 till 2009, you know. Yep. And, and they supplied um, fuel to uh, poor people that they couldn't afford it, and, and, and they supplied it to homeless shelters and things. I mean... Like, like Jimmy Dornett said, it was like 500,000 people they supplied oil to for those years yes. to help us, you know, yes. to help the people in this country. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so now, do you think they're going to be able to pull this off? Do you think that they're going to be able to pull this off and have a military invasion? I, you know, Evelyn, I, I the odds are against them at this point because as you, as you rightly um, stated, they they do this over and over and over again, and they keep getting away with it. And uh, this is the first time, though, I think in history that I'm aware of, where we've been able to expose the lies as they're unfolding. Right. We've always been caught in this trap of you know you go back to the JFK assassination. They still haven't released those records and. Nobody can get their hands on, you know, the real evidence. But today, you know, we had people on the ground, um, you know, filming what was going on with that truck. So we, and then with right. the social media networks, we can get it right out there. It's undeniable. And Max Blumenthal has been able to go into Venezuela and show over and over again, here's the toothpaste that CNN says doesn't exist in Venezuela. Here is the marketplace where Venezuela's, you know, working class can come and buy bags full of goods that are, you know, priced under retail value so that they can afford them. And um, we've, we've just never had that advantage before. And you can see them scrambling. I think we have a chance here to prevent this. And, I mean, for the first time ever, I think we may be able to. They are very, they've, never, they've never been stopped before. I mean, they've been caught over and over again. We've seen red-handed yeah. and never been punished. Right. But I, I think we're able now to make it so hard for them to get away with this stuff that they're just backing themselves further into a corner every time they try. And I think they're recognizing that, too. So the public, the public tide, I think, has turned on them very hard. 
And But I don't know what to expect in terms of how this will play out, because as you can see, in Gaza, for example, Netanyahu has really escalated the aggression there, and they've been bombing three days in a row. They're bombing. Israel is bombing Gaza. Remember, Palestine has no military. They have no way of defending themselves against these bombs that are paid for with our tax money, mind you. And right, right. people in Gaza are trapped. They are surrounded by razor wire fence, 360 degrees. There are 2 million Palestinians are trapped in Gaza as these bombs are raining down on them. And it's the most densely populated residential area in the world. They, they have no means of escape. They cannot, they cannot escape these bombs. Wow. It's so scary what they're doing. But, you know, the United States, our tax dollars are funding it all. Uh, yes. All these global wars. We're funding the terrorists. We're funding the, the, the armies on all sides. And what people need to understand that our politicians are so involved in this war profiteering scheme that has developed since, say, 2001, that they're all invested in these companies that supply these weapons. All our politicians in Congress. You know, this is what's going on, and this is why we can't stop this. They're all yeah. making money off these wars, and they know that they're funding the terrorists and they're funding the country, whatever proxy war they set up. It, they're it's making in money off of, of Yeah, it's in violation of every ethics code imaginable. It's against the law for them to be profiting like this. But they, you're yeah. right, they all are in on it. And, you know, unfortunately, even with somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, who's running for the, the Democratic nomination, you know, they'll, they may, she may make it all the way to the very end, but they'll take the nomination from her. Or if she should make it through, they'll sabotage her. It won't matter what her policy is. The machine will continue to sabotage her. Just like in Syria, you know, Donald Trump makes these announcements that, oh, we're leaving Syria. The U.S. just bombed and killed another 50 civilians yesterday. This, this has, the bombing of civilians has continued by the U.S. in Syria. So... You know, it doesn't matter what anyone in the administration says in opposition of war. The administration, the, the institutions themselves are built on funding and endless war. Yeah, I think Trump is ruled by the deep state. I think, you know, when he was campaigning and stuff, he said he's going to end these wars and all this. And I think he meant it. And I think he meant it about getting out of Syria. But as soon as he announced we were getting out of there, they came in and stopped him. Oh, yeah. They're not going to let it happen. They're making way no. too much money. Right, right. And I remember back in 2013, we fought so hard when they were going to bomb Syria and stuff. And we stopped it. You know, Obama didn't do it. But, but it went ahead anyhow. It went ahead anyhow, and a few months later, they started the bombing, and with the excuse that they were saving democracy in Syria. Uh, it's just terrible. Right. Well, and, and it just kills me, because we're funding all this slaughtering of all these innocent people all over the globe. Our tax dollars, it breaks my heart to watch this happen. And that's why we really need to get, I know it sounds like a radical idea, but we need to get rid of representative government, especially on the federal level. It does not serve us. It's a complete and total fraud. We need to govern by, 
you know, direct democracy, ballot initiatives that we introduce the citizens, because we do not, you know, think about the legislation that goes up before Congress. A bill just goes through to criminalize criticism of Israel while giving them $38 billion in cash to continue their terrorist global campaign. Who among you and me would have ever Put that up when half our nation is living in poverty, homelessness is exploding. Uh, I mean, people are dying by the tens of thousands every year for lack of medical care. That is not a priority for, you know, Israel's criticism of Israel is not a priority for the American people. But that's what representative government gets you. And then the people who are voting are not going to vote in your best interest. We need to be voting on policy that we introduce. And that is very realistic in a ballot initiative environment. We need to get rid of the entire federal system. Just like absolutely, you. absolutely, but but I, I'm just I'm just stunned. I don't know how to do it. You know, like you're describing, and I hope that we can get together and do that. But I don't know how to do it. Yeah, no, we just keep pushing. That's all we can do is you know keep pushing yeah. people to understand their sovereignty. You know, this is something that comes up over and over again. Is the issue of state sovereignty, but we never talk about personal sovereignty, which is you know was long gone but is even more urgent now that we're looking at these mandatory vaccines. Again, this whole oh, representative yeah. um, government is a fraud. These these hearings were closed to the public. They had armed guards outside the doors, and the only people admitted were the pharma lobbyists. And this is to mandate vaccines for which the CDC owns 20 patents and is making four or five billion dollars a year. They are the ones making the decisions about this. That is utterly outrageous and should not be tolerated. And we have to stop it. But it's it's only once we get people aware enough of this, and I think we're we're finally reaching critical mass where we can finally just completely trash, you know, this whole you know, you know over you know, what authoritarian government and totalitarian system that we're living under. Well, yeah, but the, the platforms now are, are going to block all the, all the anti-vaccine people, you know, right. and the platforms are blocking other things. You know, I told you, I got kicked off Facebook. All I did was post a, 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 a post from one of the Vatican summits and a paragraph out of the Vatican summit, you know, out of the article with the video. And they kicked me off Facebook for that. You know, show them yeah. what the Vatican's up to or not up to, should say. Yeah. But um, they'll, they'll kick you off now. And then I just heard that they're going to, you know, that they're going to kick everybody off that says anything anti-vaccine. And so to get this word out to the public is so difficult. It is. You're right. And that's where I think, you know, we're faced with the next phase of our, you know, global revolution, at least here in the, the U.S., where we were so lacking in resources for accurate content, but we've built that those networks. And even with all of the um, censorship and suppression, the network functions so well at, at this point. Like you can find out what's going on immediately now on any topic. And right. um, so now that we understand that, 
we need to, and the yellow vests are a great model for us. And they're, they're something that I think Americans are really looking to for as a role model, because now it's a matter of us getting out there and being visible. And you can be visible in very subtle ways, but still sending a powerful message. And if you're the only person standing on the street corner with a sign that says, hands off Venezuela, a lot of people are going to see you and it's going to make them wonder. And so, you know, these small acts of protest out in public are where we need to move next. And I think that I think that American sensibility is really moving toward that. They want to know where to go next and, and they just need someone to point them in that direction. And, and there's so many millions are already mobilized that mentally that I think, you know, the physical act of going out and protesting is more and more um, viable so that we can because it's really not even, as you said, you know, we can protest all we want. We can march all we want. That is not what's going to stop these wars. It never has, and it won't going into the future. But it is really, really important for bringing it to the attention of other people. We need overwhelming numbers. And that's so um, that's where we are right now. And I think I think we can get there. I really do. We just have to keep hammering away. Right, right, and and the same thing, you know, that all the politicians are involved in uh, involved in this war profiteering schemes. You know, they're all involved in the pedophilia networks too, and they go hand in hand. Right, and uh, and they and I suppose I don't know. Do you want to start with Michael Jackson, or should we jump down to uh, the Epstein scandal first? Because that one, the politicians and stuff are getting revealed, and the celebrities involved in that. Um, I know much more about Jeffrey Epstein than I do the Jackson case. So, yeah, well, I've been studying this for two and a half days. They have Roku, so I can put my videos up, so I can watch them on my TV. So I save them and I watch them on my TV. You know, but um, I'm jumping down to the notes on uh, Epstein. That's well, that's Jeffrey a really big Epstein, one. Go ahead. You know, if you want to start, if you want to start, I, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say the the thing about the Jeffrey Epstein case that's um, really wonderful is that it, it is, you know, there are people in, you know, like Alan Dershowitz who are implicated yes. in this case who are, you know, very high visibility in right now in terms of their um, proximity to the administration. And it leaves them having to be on the defensive. And we see that already with Dershowitz going on, you know, the major networks saying that these proceedings should be closed to the public and press. He doesn't want anyone right, right. to hear what's going on. No, and you know, if, no, it, if there were anyone else, he would be arguing that, you know, the public should have access. But the, the problem is that he is directly implicated in these proceedings, not only for the illegality of the um, plea agreement, which was pled down from multiple counts of child sex trafficking to a single count of um, soliciting a minor, which are completely different crimes. But he's also accused by one of the um, victims of having participated directly in in the trafficking of those girls. Oh, yeah, you know, and he denies it, and of course he denies it. They all deny it, you know, and 
and they're trying to turn this around now that Trump's in office, you know, to turn it against him, this whole Epstein scandal. Well, I've really been doing research, you know, on seeing about his involvement in this. He's never been down to Orgy Island. He's never been down to St. James. And, you know, I can't stand Trump. You know and I know. The only reason I stick up for him is because he's going after these child sex trafficking rat lines. I mean, that's why that's why I, you know, like the guy. That's what I like about him. And that's my main goal in life. So, um, but anyhow, so I went and I found a video yesterday of um, this uh, Bradley Edwards, and he represents 30 of Epstein's victims, you know. And this, this, uh, this reporter asked him about Trump's involvement in this sex trafficking ring of Epstein's, you know. And he said that um, back in 2009, when, you know, he was handling these cases and starting these lawsuits, he said he sent out subpoenas to a real lot of people that were connected. They knew were connected with Epstein that he wanted to talk to. And he said Trump was the only person who called him up and, and volunteered to talk to him. And he said Trump said that there was no need to subpoena him because he would talk to Edwards and answer any questions that he asked. And Edwards said he talked to him, and he said he helped the investigation. And he says Trump wasn't involved in this Epstein's sex trafficking ring and as far as i could find out trump traveled on epstein's plane once and it was either from um florida or washington to new york one flight his brother had said in a deposition that he had traveled on epstein's plane once you know this short flight so that's all the evidence you know that 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 i could find you know trying to figure out well if trump is he into this you know, I mean, before I heard this um, attorney's um, talking yesterday, I, I was to the point that I thought, what are we looking at here? We got to measure this now, which is the worst pedophile? When we're looking right. at these leaders involved in this, you know, I thought, is that what we're down to? We got to decide which one is the least to blame and stick with that person? You know, they're yeah, so right. sick. But now, because of Acosta being his labor secretary, Trump's labor secretary, they're going to try to turn this whole thing back on Trump, and it should not be. It should not be. I mean, we go down on that plane. Um, Clinton flew on that plane 26 times. Hillary, six times. Now, what the hell are they doing flying around the world? And, and you said that was in two years with Clinton, right? Yeah. So what's he doing flying around the world and going down to this pedophile orgy island and stuff? What's he talking about with this pervert? Yeah, once a month for two years. Once a month. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they can try to turn this turn this on, on um, Trump all they want, but it is not Trump that started this, and it is not him that finished it. You know, the two well, pedophiles and perverts. That, Pardon? Yeah, and the irony is that when, you know, when people do try and, uh, implicate him, and I, I like you, have not seen any evidence that he's guilty of participating in that in, in any pedophile ring um, or child sex trafficking ring. But um, the fact that Dershowitz is so close to him, it, it, it will get attention that it would not otherwise get, and scrutiny it would not otherwise get that will right. allow us an opportunity to educate the public. So, um, right. you know, and, and in the end, it really doesn't even matter if Donald Trump is involved because the, the problem is still what it is. It's institutional. 
It doesn't matter which of the people you take out. The whole system functions that way. So they just put in different people. Right. Um, and the thing is, too, you know, like uh, he's got their Dershowitz there, and then he's got um, – and then another one of his lawyers was Ken Starr. Now, that's a right. real joke. Ken Starr, you know, he, he got fired – I'm trying to look for my notes here. He got fired from uh, Baylor University for covering up sex abuse um, claims, covering up rape and stuff down there at that at that uh, university. Cool. He was president. You know, I mean, these are the people that are involved in this. You know, involved in representing them. They got perverts, pedophiles representing them. Well, remember when um, Laura Silsby was caught in um, trying to traffic those children out of Haiti and her her attorney that the Hillary Clinton directly intervened in that case and the attorney he used was a convicted trafficker himself? Oh, right, right. I mean, they're all involved in this, you know. Yes. But I was looking down here with this bit with uh, this Kenneth Starr that um, he said that it's the largest Baptist school in the country. And um, the school is also facing federal lawsuit from former students claiming the school is deliberately indifferent to rape allegations levied against uh, one of the professors before he was ultimately convicted of assaulting him. So, I mean, th- this whole this whole university is is hit with lawsuits and stuff for covering up this rape and stuff of students. I mean, the, all the people involved in this whole mess are perverts and yes. pedophiles themselves. Well, and you look at um, Jerry Sandusky, too, you know, speaking of oh, the yeah. school angle and how they're yep. all tied together. This is a global child trafficking network. It is not separate ones. They all function, um, you know, from the same center of control. One cannot function without the express um, permission of a certain handful of people who, you know, we see, again, like the Bronfman sisters, they're billionaires, Jeffrey Epstein, Robert Kraft, um, this guy, John of God, associated with uh, Oprah Winfrey and all these famous people who's, you know, keeping girls and raping them and selling their babies and then killing the girls. Like, these witnesses are still dying. So, um, it's, it's, right, this that is, would not happen so, if these were just regular folks doing this stuff. Sure. And, and how they're all tied together, and, and it helps, again, to have Ben Thais. Simkus, his list of people that back in 2007, when he went to a, a, a Nexium recruitment party with some friends, took him there. He didn't really even know what it was about. But when he when he was there in Hampton, Connecticut, this is back in 2007, so 12 years ago already. These people were all at that at that recruitment party: Allison Mack, Keith Rainier, Stormy Daniels. Now, remember, Stormy Daniels is out here now. You know, this is 12 years ago she's involved in, with these pigs. And then uh, Michael Avenatti, her attorney, was at this Nexium recruitment party. Eric Schneiderman, he was the, what, was he the attorney general or something in New York that had to leave office because his girlfriend said that he beat her up and, and 
yep. I don't know, kept like a slave. You know? Yep. So he was there all the way back then. And he's one he's one of them, I think, that stopped them from prosecuting this Nexium in New York. You know, while he was attorney general. But here come to right. find out he yeah. was at one of the recruitment parties back in two thousand seven. And then that yep. Nancy Salzman was there and Sarah Bromfen, Bromfman and um, Claire Bromfman, Catherine Oxenberg, India Oxenberg, Anthony Weiner, and Hume Anthony were there back in 2007. James Alafontis, of Pizzagate fame, the owner of the Pizza Comet Ping Pong restaurant, he was there. And his partner, David Brock, they were, they were lovers at the time probably, he was there. Right, pedophile David Brock, and then Frank Parlato and Roger Stone, and he said Elliot Spitzer, Elliot Spitzer of, of New York fame, and Ashley Dupais walked in just as he was leaving. So this is twelve years ago. All these people were there, and where are they now in the midst of all this? One of the things you know, you mentioned James Alafantis, and right? you know, most people know him for being affiliated with Comet Pizza. And Mm -hmm. um, just as a reminder for people to show again how connected all of this is. Okay, so this is the Nexium case where with the billionaire Bronfman sisters, this was a sex slave cult that was being used as a human compromise operation, according to court documents. Well, recall in uh, some 10 years ago or so, the BBC was exposed by journalist, BBC journalist, Liz McKean, for covering up 40 years of brutal child rape by Jimmy Savile and Sir Ted Heath and others. And right. in 2012, um, he was exposed by Liz, the CEO of, or he was, it's not called the CEO. It's like the chief of something or other of BBC. His name is Mark Thompson, was exposed by Liz McKean for covering up Jimmy Savile's rates of more than a thousand victims over the years. Went directly to the New York Times in 2012 after leaving BBC and being caught. And it was the New York Times, remember, that published the Pizzagate debunking story um, right. to protect James Alafonte. So just to, you know, again, show that these are not unrelated. And in fact, they are directly connected to one another and they all operate in, in sync with one another. Sure. And that's what I meant before when I said, you know, we've gone full circle. It's all here right now. It's all breaking open. All of these sex trafficking wings. And, you know, the um, the Nexium trial, that's supposed to be held on April 29th. So, oh, I didn't know And that. they said, yeah. And they said it'll probably take five to six weeks, estimated. So imagine what's going to come out of that. April 29th, you said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're hoping that, uh, you know, it isn't put off, but the judge in that case is pretty, pretty uh, angry, too. And they, they have, like they've it. engaged in all sorts of crime, racketeering, conspiracy, identity theft, altering official records, encouraging and inducing illegal entry, encouraging, inducing money laundering, forced labor, sex trafficking, extortion and wire fraud. 
They're in for some big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so now the judge is worried because, you know, um, the the Brompton's are funding, or which one's funding all of the... Um, Brompton's, yeah. Yeah, the Claire and Sarah Brompton, they're funding all of the defendants. And now they're afraid that the judge is afraid they're going to run out of money because he says they only got about 25% left and uh, the trial hasn't even started yet. Sounds like, you know, if it were you and me, it, they would just, it wouldn't matter whether or not we ran out of money. You just are stuck. So I, that should be the case for them too. If they run out of money, that's just too damn bad. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Oh, yeah. So what? Like how many defendants? Like, you know, if you go up before a judge and you're like, I don't have any money, it's not like they're like, okay, well, never mind. If they proceed to char- to prosecute you anyway. So I'm not quite well, sure yeah. why, like, why that's even relevant. <laughs> but but it's good to see that we're running these, these rich bastards out of money. Yeah, but it just means you know. the thing is, like, unless they wind up in jail and incapacitated, the only thing that happens, and I will tell you this, I worked with, I worked on Wall Street, in Wall Street finance for 30 years, and when somebody gets set back like that, all it does is make them more willing to be corrupt in order to catch up from where they were and and um, get further ahead. So um, they need to go to jail. Otherwise, it well, Rainier, be as bad. Rainier is in jail, and uh, he got beat up by several inmates a uh, week before last so they had to move them out of the general population. Well, I'm, I'm finding, you know, different stories that uh, they're taking care of these pedophiles in prisons. <laughs> Inmates and stuff. Yeah, there have been you know, quite a it, few lately. <laughs> yeah. No, if they would have, one, one, I don't know what they did to them, but I wrote, thank you for helping us out. You know, but uh, we can't get these people off the streets, you know. So, yeah. But that was just like they were saying about Epstein. You know, when he was in jail there, he was supposed to be for 18 months. He only spent 13 months. And uh, he was only in there about six hours a day. They allowed him. He, he was in a private setting, so he wasn't around, yeah. you know, the other people that might have got to him. That he should have been left right. around him. And uh, he was let out. He was let out for, um, somebody said, 17 hours a day. He could even fly down yeah. to Orgy Island. Yeah. Now, what other pedophile right. was ever allowed that? Yeah. Be on work release. Well, and those are the conditions that the Bronfman sisters tried to get were conditions almost identical to what Jeffrey Epstein had, and the judge denied them. Oh, really? They did it? Yeah. What was, what was, yep. what was her bail? What was the Bronfman sisters' bail? $100 million. $100 million? Yeah. Yep. Holy cow. They didn't put up the uh, $5 million for to let Bernier out, eh? That I don't know. I thought they would. I mean, I don't know. I would think they'd have to. I, as far as I know, he didn't really have any money of his own. They they completely bankrolled him, from what I understand. Yeah, but I mean, but, they didn't pay his bond because he's sitting in jail. Oh, uh, oh, oh Mack, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Allison Mack, right. was he let out on a, a million or five million dollar bond. Allison Mack, uh, I yeah. it, it was high. I think it had to have been like five million. Yeah. But people say that she's talking, but I don't know if she is or not. Well, it doesn't, again, they, you know, it sounded to me like she's still, she was still very much indoctrinated. I mean, that's a whole programming thing to undo. It'll be interesting. Right. And all the, all the politicians are involved in this, too. Many, many politicians. I mean, when we talk about those 
setting up those, uh, taking them children to those to those schools and stuff when they're young. Barbara Bush, old Barbara Bush, was on the board of those of that uh, organization that had them schools. It was oh, the oh. Nexium had a um, preschool program called the Rainbow Cultural Garden, where they the the methods were such that they prevented children from bonding with any adults, including their parents, and um, it was it was sold as a very high end sort of preschool program. But what they were doing was. Um, grooming children for sex trafficking, and it's right. part of the story that never, ever, ever gets mentioned. Right, right. Well, that's a bit, well, you know, we're here to the Michael Jackson case. You know, people are all upset because um, all this is breaking out because of a new documentary that came out, and it's uh, with two of the boys that he had raped his children, had sexually abused for years as children. And of course, people are objecting because uh, they, the boys denied this in court testimony in the 90s. Um, oh. But in that, film, in that film, it explains exactly what they did. I mean, he meets this kid when he's seven years old, and he starts abusing him. And what he does is he tells them that, um, that God put them together. And what they're doing with this sex bit, that's what they're meant to do because they love each other. And, that, and he trains them right from day one. That um, starts right off the bat telling them, you can't ever tell anybody about this because if you do, it'll ruin both of our lives. They'll lock us both up in prison for life and stuff that the world is against us. It's me and you making them. And the one kid he even held a mock ceremony wedding with and bought him, you know, a wedding ring and everything and had a regular mock ceremony like they were actually married, you know, him and Michael. And it would be them forever and all this. And this is like when they're seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And they fall for this, you know. And he said, and he said um, that Michael would take him to the jewelry store to pick out his wedding ring. And he told the jeweler that um, he just had this little boy trying on the ring because he had the same size finger as the woman that Michael was going to marry. So he had the little boy try on the ring because it would fit the woman that Michael was going to marry. But really, it was marrying that little boy. And he got him so attached to him, they loved him. You know, yeah. and Michael wasn't, um, his sexual abuse wasn't brutal. You know, it didn't hurt them. You know, it wasn't violent. And he was always right. real kind. And he lured their families in. And he lured the families in, you know, with expensive trips and, and fly them all over the world and fly them all around and buy them all kinds of gifts and all this kind of stuff. And then he said and he'd act real nice to the mothers and stuff. Michael would to their face. But behind mm-hmm. their backs, he said, he said that he turned them against their mothers totally. And he turned them against all women. That women were terrible, horrible. So, so anyways, so when they testified, you know, early on, um, they said, he said he loved him and he believed him and stuff. And he truly believed that if this got out, that they would both end up in prison for life. And so this is how, how he tricked him into this and got him to carry it out for all these years. And, you know, yeah. the Jackson family's all upset and saying these are all lies and all this kind of stuff. But I have an act. We watch the video because it's on HBO, and I'm too cheap. I don't go watch HBO, and I'm too cheap to pay the money to just watch that movie. But I've seen lots and lots of experts or excerpts, and I've seen lots and lots of um, interviews with these two guys, you know, telling about all this. And it is so sad because you picture these little kids, 
they really believe that, you know, that they're married to Michael Jackson and tell them, put it, inserting, you know, that God made it this way. We were meant to be yeah. together, and it's me and you against the world, but we're going to be together forever. And then when you watch, he really hurts them like a, like a man-boy-girl a relationship, you know, because he tells them they're the right. only one, you know, and, and it's them forever. And, and then they find out, you know, years later, the one's over at the house, and um, he's downstairs, and then he sees there's a bunch of kids, and then he sees Jackson go off in a closed room with one of the little boys, and he knows what's going on in there. You know, right. so he'd throw him over. When he'd get a new boyfriend, he'd throw him over. But these two guys, and it's exactly the same, you know, and the the method that he uses, I mean, it's like lockstep. He's got it down pat. There's got to be thousands probably of kids that Jackson has sexually abused in over 30 years. And everybody let him get away with it, you know. And the Jackson family saying this is all lies. And you know what it is, though? They're making money off that estate. I, I read where they made over $4 billion since he died, that estate, off of Michael Jackson. Wow. So, you know, people are calling for Jackson's music and stuff to be taken off the radio stations and all this. And the same with R. Kelly. And, well, they don't want this because it's going to hurt them. He's supporting right. all of them. Every one of them Jacksons. Right. So they're out there, and I noticed, you know, that the, the media, they'll put out so many different articles and stuff, and I'm watching as the days go by, and more and more I see, like, more videos on YouTube slamming this movie, saying it's all lies and all this stuff, you know. But the Jackson family has all this money, so they're just paying people to put out these videos, you know, but they're multiplying by the day. You know, but uh, people, well, anybody that does watch that movie, they say that you, you just can't deny it after watching that. It's four hours long. And um, even that um, Corey Feldman, you know, that he has come out again and again and said that Jackson never molested him. Well, now he just came out with a video and he said he can't defend Michael anymore after watching that video. He said it's the same process that that those boys went through that Michael put him through. But he said he didn't molest him. He didn't go to the next step and molest him. Uh But he says... He says that he can tell by this that it's true what these boys are saying. This is exactly what Jackson does. But the thing is, is like with Corey Feldman or that other guy, what's that other kid? Um, oh, I can't think of his name. But that yeah. they were well-known and stuff. And so maybe he didn't sexually abuse them. But they didn't spend weeks and months and years with Jackson. If they right. would have, it probably would have moved to that. But before that, they were established actors and stuff. Already, you know, and if he would have tried that on them, he he probably was scared that they would tell. But if they had went on and spent, you know, weeks with them, like the one boy, Jackson would go to their homes. And with the one boy, he stayed in the bedroom of the boy for 30 days with this boy, with this young kid that was like eight or something. 30 days in oh the house. Now I said in Jackson's mansion, Neverland, his his um bedroom is stories high. It's a great big, huge room. You know, it's just tremendously big, you know. But And so he would be, molest the kids there all the time. But then when he went to the homes, stayed at the parents' home for 30 days in the bedroom with this kid. Now, what at the time, I think he was 35. What 35-year-old boy goes in a bedroom and stays with a little 8-year-old kid for 30 days? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and, uh, and, and it's uh, so funny because, you know, they're making videos about how we let this go on. I mean, all the comedians were making jokes about this constantly. You know, Chris Rock. Um, um, oh, my favorite one. Uh, I won't think of his name now that he did the weekend update on uh, Saturday Night Live for years. 
He was always making comments about Michael Jackson being a homosexual pedophile and all this. And in fact, he thinks that's probably one of the reasons he got kicked off Saturday Night Live. Because the owner liked Michael Jackson. He didn't want to make him jokes about Michael Jackson anymore, but he kept doing it. But yet, you know, this is real funny, you know, to people that are making jokes like Chris Rock. I was watching his one, and he's saying, it was when another one had come forward. And he's saying, we let the first one slide, but another one, you know. Well, this is back in the 90s, but here we are. Right. 2019, right. and this finally comes out, and he's been running this global pedophile network for 30 years, for God's sakes. And this is and this is trafficking, because he'd take these kids around the world, you know, internationally, take them state to state on his tours, you know. And so this is this is international child trafficking that went on here. And everybody let him. And the same thing with them, I mean, with them, um, that, with that family. They enabled this. They're out here now saying this is all lies. This is, they knew it the whole time. I mean, um, Latoya Jackson back in 93, I was watching videos, and she said that they knew it and that her mother knew it. And that her mother would call Jackson a effing fag, and he's paying off these parents and showing her checks that Michael had written to these parents. Big checks, you know, and not knowing why. And she said, mm. because he's paying them off because he's sexually abusing them boys. And so they knew about this the whole time, you know, that they aren't going to keep cashing in on this. You're right, right. It's and that's the same with R. Kelly. I mean, the same with R. Kelly. I mean, and it's so hard to do research on this because I don't know any of these stars, okay? I could go into movies in the early 90s, quit watching TV. I don't even know these people. So to try to figure this out, you know, but with R. Kelly, I was watching videos, and they said uh, there was one, and she was going to name 19 enablers that helped them carry all this stuff out, you know, that they would book um, hotel rooms for these young girls, you know, where his concerts were and do all these things to set it all up. And they all knew what was going on and they, and they let it, and they should all be included in an indictment for enabling R. Kelly to molest all these girls. I mean, this is just horrible. What's coming out about him too. And here again, he had two trials as well. R. Kelly and got off. And you know, when he was interviewed by that, um, Gail King, he's there. He, th- those were lies, you know, that, he, he beat those cases, he said twice. I beat those cases. Well, beating those cases doesn't mean you weren't guilty. Right. But just the wording he uses, you know, Jackson didn't, didn't the Jacksons don't use that time. He beat those cases. He says they, he was innocent, you know. But this is terrible because we have got to stop these enablers, too, that they allowed this to go on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm I'm really very hopeful that this is you know again it just growing to it's already undeniable but it seems to be growing to the point where people can no longer refuse to act. Well, right, and and the thing about it's getting so hard, you know, with taking down the the Hollywood perverts and stuff that to watch any movie or listen to any music anymore right now that we're exposing them you know you look at movies and it's one of the perverts are in them you know and another one right. it, uh, kevin Sp- spacey should be talked about because he was flying around with epstein and he's been charged with with underage um sexual abuse you know minors yep. so i've got a whole list of all the people in hollywood and stuff but i didn't even get it out because as they were all getting busted i would i would 
you know, list them all. And it is long. And all the people that have been busted. I mean, I wish there was a, a new show that would just explain what has went on in the last two years. How many Hollywood perverts and pedophiles have been busted? Well, Isaac Cappy, too, is, um, remember, he's also a whistleblower, a Hollywood whistleblower on this. And um, he, and then there's a woman, Tiffany Fitzsimmons, I believe is her name. She's a former Mm -hmm. Hollywood script writer, and she came forward, too, and, and they both corroborate independently that these Hollywood is a system of trafficking and they specialize in the sex trafficking of children. They expect it from everyone, but children really are their specialty and it is endemic. It's not just among the elites or a handful here or there. It's it's the way the whole system functions, the parties, the the party circuit, all of it is geared around this. So right, um, right. Well, with the Epstein case, they got to be scared because Epstein had cameras, and this was definitely a compromise operation he was running, and he had cameras all over the place. So there's no telling how many films he has of all these world elites and um, Hollywood celebrities and Washington politicians. There's no telling how many of them are filmed. Well, and remember, he's an FBI informant as well. Right, exactly. In with Mueller. So we talked about that last time. So he got got away with with sexually abusing and, and lending these kids out to be sexually abused by all these people, probably hundreds, probably thousands over the years. Yeah. And he gets away with it because he's an informant. Yep. It's oh, a pattern that we sad. play out yeah. over and over again. And, and they keep saying, you know, about Michael Jackson, well, he's dead, leave him alone. And I sit there and I think, oh, yeah, well, the victims ain't dead. They're living right. with the hell he put them through their whole life. That's right. I don't care if he is dead. This needs to come out. This is a global child trafficking ring, and he was a large part of it. That's right. His crimes, you know that? His crimes don't go vanish ahead, go ahead. just because he's dead. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, we can say the same thing about Jimmy Savile. They let him die before they put all the news out, the truth out. Yep. That's right. So anyway, Chris, I think we're making great headway. Are you happy? I am. I am. And I really appreciate this program with you. Me too. Okay, Chris. Well, we'll see you next week, people. And we'll probably have more latest news for you. 